As I mentioned, today is going to be a little bit of a different Sunday. Uh, if you were with us last week, uh, you know what's going down. If you weren't with us last week, then you might not. I would encourage you to check out the podcast. Uh, but last week, our teaching pastor, Ryan Smith, shared with our church family that um, they feel a little tug on their hearts to move to North Carolina and with the hope and intention of planning a church there one day. We're going to give them uh, a long on-ramp, and we want to really see what God does there and, and how we can support them and all of that. And so they'll be moving to North Carolina, Ryan and his family, they'll be moving there at the end of June. And so that's a transition that's coming up. And so that's the bittersweet part. Or, or, sorry, that's the bitter part uh, where, like, our, our teaching pastor is leaving, and we're, and we're going to miss him. Uh, the sweet part, I guess, is that God is at work. And uh, he has seen fit to, to lead us and guide us through a process of several months to ad- help identify uh, who our next teaching pastor is going to be. And we announced last week it's going to be Casey Fritz. Uh, and Casey is, some of you know him, some of you don't. So for some, this is a reunion. For others, this is a, a, an introduction. But Pastor Casey and I actually planted Collective Church together. And uh, we were able to share, or I was able to share a little bit last week about how this is all coming together. And what we wanted to do this week is spend a little bit more time to be able to share the story of, like, how did this happen? How did this come together? How have we seen God working in our church in this way that brings us up to this point? It's really important to us that we... um, be really transparent with you guys. We've got nothing to hide. There's no reason to hide. Um, I was mentioning to, to, to Ryan a couple weeks ago, isn't it great when we can just tell the truth? Like it's, it's, and that's what we want to do. And we want to just be open with you guys. And not only, do we, not only is this just about information, yeah, we want you guys to know the story, but it's not just about information. It's also uh, an opportunity for us to testify to what we have seen God do And we want you guys, through our account, to be able to praise God and worship God as a result of what God is doing in our church. And we want to loop you guys in on what our experience has been through this whole process. Because when Ryan first told me, um, you know, I'll I'll summarize it in a shorter time span, but basically he's like, we're leaving and we're planting. Like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, now what? And, but then God started to work and he started doing some things. And last week I used the analogy of a Rubik's Cube that when it's in our hands and we look down, we just see the one side of it. And if we're lucky, we can get that one side figured out. But the Rubik's Cube in God's hands, it's constantly spinning and it's constantly moving and he's putting everything together at the same time. And so while it first started off like, oh, Ryan's leaving, that's the first face that we see of the Rubik's Cube, that all just got jumbled up, right? That got messed up. That's not what we wanted to see. But then God kept moving and he started putting things together. And we felt like we were really in the, in, in the passenger seat, not in the driver's seat, because we just felt like, man, we are just watching God do something. So we want to be able to share with you guys a little bit this morning about uh, what that experience was like. So I'm going to have Pastor Ryan come up, Pastor Isaac, and then also Pastor Casey Fritz come on up. <laughs> Well, I hope we can hold it together. Uh, Casey, that's Casey over there, everybody. Hi, everyone. Hi, Casey. And then this is Ryan, for those who don't know Ryan. Hi, Ryan. This is Isaac. Hi, Isaac. 
I hope we can hold it together because Casey and Isaac and I just flew in this morning from out of town. Some of our, I don't know if anyone's here, we, there, a few of us were out there. Um, Harry and Sage and um, Joshua were with us as well. But anyway, uh, we flew in this morning. Thankfully, it all worked out. Thankfully, our flights weren't canceled. There was no like, crazy 4 weather. 4 a.m. Like yeah, we've yeah. been up since 4 a.m. And then we just started praying. We just were praying a lot. And we're very spiritual people. Uh, that's right. All right. Well, um, I, I want to share a little bit. Uh, just to sort of set this up, again, we want to we wanna be able to share with you guys what we see God doing in our church. And just to give you guys some background, I already mentioned Pastor Casey and I planted Collective Church together. That was uh, in 2015 when we launched. But Casey and I, our history goes back much further than that. We worked together for what, I think, uh, when did we start? What year? Was it 2011? Mm -hmm. 12? Yeah. Something like that. And... Um, and what happened over time, just to give you the short story, is that God just really knit our hearts together, and um, we ended up just really just pushing one another and refining one another and encouraging one another and, and in conversations that we were having about church planting. And it turned out to be a con what we didn't know at the time. Was, these were all conversations about what would, what would become Collective Church. Yeah. So we planted a collective church in 2015. Some of you were here, and it's been a wild and crazy ride ever since then. Super, super crazy to think about what God has done. But, um, and now the Lord has seen fit to bring Casey back to be our new teaching pastor, which is amazing. But Casey, what's it like just to be here right now? This is nuts. This is nuts. It's, uh, it's emotional, and it's exciting. And uh, it's, I mean, full transparency, it's nerve-wracking. And there's so many unknowns and unknown faces, and there's so many faces that obviously are, I've known for a very long time. And so uh, emotions are all over the place. Um, excitement is all over the place. And, and so, it, it, but more than anything, just to be here and in this space, it's very, very sacred to me. Oh, we good? Maybe pull the pack out of your back pocket. I'm sort of coming with... Um, With a certain level of just, like, fear and respect, you know? Like, reverence that the Lord is doing something really, really special in this church. And so, that's sort of my emotions right now. And I would say for my family's emotions as well, who are over there. So. Hi, family. My son's not here. I'm not sure where he is, but he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> um, for those of you that know a little bit more of the story, I do want to um, share a little bit. It's just even like the, the most recent history. So like I said, Pastor Casey and I planted the church uh, a handful of years ago. And um, as the Lord saw fit, you know, here's the thing. God is never not working, right? Right. He's never not working. He's always doing something. And um, it's so, as, as it worked out, the Lord really wanted to do a work in Casey that initially Casey wasn't. Uh, aware of. Casey's been in ministry a long time, over 20 years. Um, but the Lord brought Casey into a season where he's like, I got something I got I to gotta do with you. There's something I want to do in you and through you. And brought Casey uh, to some, through some difficult things that just heightened his awareness of his need for God in that moment and, and, and started to sense that God was pulling him and calling him out of ministry so that God could do something greater and deeper uh, in his heart and in his life, working out healing in his life. There was a deepening work that was happening there. And um, 
Casey went through some difficult things, but the whole time, this, has been, this is what has been so beautiful, is to watch Casey follow Jesus and pursue Jesus through everything that, that comes his way. And um, so when he left four years ago, God was calling him out of ministry, and so it was a matter of obedience. And even though some of us who have long history here know some of those things that Casey was going through, when Casey left, he actually left at the healthiest point we had ever known him and that we had ever seen him. And it was from that place of health, God was like, I'm not done with you yet. And I need to pull you out and call you out of ministry to remove the distraction of ministry because there's stuff I want to do. And I need you out of ministry in order to be able to do that, to have your undivided attention. And God called Casey out of ministry and Casey did not want to do it. No. <laughs> he did not want to do not it. Not into it. <laughs> we, you didn't want to leave. We didn't want you to leave. But we recognized that God was doing a work and it was incredible to watch you just say yes to Jesus. And we talk about that all the time. Yeah. But to, to see you and watch you say yes to Jesus and pursue Jesus, even through he was calling you to do difficult things, um, it was beautiful to watch that. And, and, and God has, 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 has brought you on a journey, and, and you've been on this same trajectory for years of God doing incredible work in your life. And it's been an amazing thing to watch. But during that time, Casey, as, as the Lord was calling you out and um, bringing you to that place of obedience, why don't you just share with us a little bit about what that was like of, like, of like God saying, all right, I need you out. I'm calling you out. Yeah. For some, this might be old news, but I mean, you know, sometimes we get to write our story and it's forced upon us, you know? And it's during those forcing upon that, that the most transformation and growth will really happen. And uh, if you do know my story, I had one goal in mind. I, got, I came to know Christ, and it was almost instantaneously that I was like, I need to serve him with every fiber of my being. And at the moment, at age 15, when I knew that, when I knew that, uh, I just thought it was start a church. Planting a church wasn't even a thing then. This was 1998, and I was like, I just want to start a church. So I'm this 15-year-old, like, stoked to do it. And so my entire trajectory in life was getting to the point to start a church which happened to be collective. And everything was great. And everything was... This is not... Just you want me to do this? Sorry. Everything was uh, extremely... All the dreams you could possibly imagine were coming true and it was happening right before your very eyes. And then there was just that moment where the Lord asks you to put your one and only son on an altar. And uh, it feels like everything inside of you just sort of crumbles. And so to ask, what was it like to give up the entire singular, singular dream you had in your entire life with the people you've loved the most and the most rewarding ministry experience of your life, it is devastating. It's devastating. Giving up collective church, putting collective church on the altar out of obedience, out of knowing that God is good, was the single hardest thing I've ever had to do in my entire life. And if you have the privilege of planting a church, some of you here, as, as we all hope and excite for Ryan to be able to do, you are tethered to that church in a way that you cannot even understand. And so to give it up and then to leave and to obey Christ in that forced upon story was, um, it, it, it wrecked us in all the right ways. And so we were literally in ruins, but it was, it was a God doing of ruins. I mean, something he can turn into something praiseworthy. So um, hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and even even for us, it was hard, too, on this side, not 
it was the same experience as you, but watching you just going through challenging and trying times, which was marked by obedience, but difficult, and then just how much you loved this church family, and then how we represented, like, pain to you. Because, you know, missing yeah. us, and this was the thing you had to give up. Oh, yeah. Leaving and following you guys on Instagram sucks. <laughs> that was awful. That was awful. But, yeah, it, it, it's, it's so much love and so much missing in the same moment. I mean, it's, it's real. Yeah. It's real. Yeah, and even in our own friendship, like, we hashed some of that out, too, of, like. Oh, you're going there. Well, I don't know. Oh, smokes. <laughs> well, it's just that I missed you. You know, I'm, yeah. and, and others here did as well, but there had to be a bit of a, a separation there because it was a painful thing. Tell us, but forget all that. Tell us, <laughs> tell us what the four years have been like. You've been gone for four years. What has the Lord been doing in your heart? Yeah, it's unique because I've, I've had a chance to, to converse with some of you, and they're like, what's this new work that the Lord has been doing in these last four years? And every time, if you've asked me that, I wasn't really entirely sure how to answer it. Because it wasn't a new work. Uh, the new work happened right before your guys' very eyes. Yeah. And a lot of you know what that was. And it was uh, a freight train to the face. And so that was what the, lurk, the, the work the Lord did. That was the seed he planted. And so the last four years was really just a, more of a gestation of living out in that new reality of what Christ was doing within my life. And so I will just say this. A lot of it was just making sure that I'm, I'm, I'm a man of my word. A lot of it was making sure that I care enough about the church as a pastor and as a son of God. Not, I'm just not just a theologian. I'm not just a counselor. I'm not just your preacher. That I actually care enough about the church to be committed to it and be a healthy member of the body. It was just making sure that I was actually practicing what I preached for 20 years plus right. before that. It's like, will you love me in season and out of season? Will you love me when I take the thing you've wanted most away in your life? Do you still believe I'm good? And so walking through that with my family every single day, they're going, no, we are still going to be a part of a church, even if the church sucks, or we're still going to be part of this church, even this place sucks, whatever it could possibly be. That was what we wanted. And so it was never a doubt in our mind, but there was some trying, tempting moments like we could have easily faded into the background. And I think they're probably, if I could be so bold, I mean, there's, there's some assumptions that that's what happens with pastors when they're out of ministry. But I think my calling was out was out of obedience, yes, and to make sure that I put them on the altar, that Christ is my ultimate designation, that the Lord is my ultimate dream that I wanted all of, out of all of this. But I will say more than that, I would just say coming and walking through that entire story part, it, it was a gift. It was a gift to have everything stripped away so that I can just be a son of the living God for however long the period Lord wanted. And I know that that's so much what we walk through, but my identity, I told you, I became a Christian at age 15 and five minutes later said, I'm going to be a pastor. I mean, it was instant. Sucker. I do. Yeah, fool me once, oh, fool me twice. Shame on me. Anyway. So as far as the, what the work was and what has the Lord been doing, I think the point is he hasn't been doing some incredible work, and that's the entire point. It's just resting in the fact that there doesn't have to be something monumental. There doesn't have to be something electric. Can you still just follow me faithful in the mundane, in the middling, in the unremarkable? Yeah, it was kind of like a long obedience thing. 
because the Lord's definitely been doing a work in you, but it wasn't maybe marked by this monumental lesson you had to learn and then this monumental lesson you had to learn. It was just long obedience in the same direction. Yep. And then, you know, even just in talking to you and maintaining our friendship over the last four years, I've, I've noticed the difference in you, like just a deepening. And a, and, a, and a greater... Tell me about it. Tell me about it. <laughs> just a, a, an ongoing maturing. It's like, man, I was always so... I never thought we'd be having this conversation up no. here. So that was never in the farthest dreams in my mind or possibilities. But, but it was remarkable and obvious and observable that, that you were doing so well and God was doing a great work on you. Now, Isaac, so you were around back then. So you've, so like Ryan announcing him leaving, this is the second time you've been through this here. Um, so like what, what was it like for you? So you've, you've been through here through this whole thing. So back when, you mean, you know, four years ago, what was going on with you in that time of like having to say goodbye to him and just thinking about the future without him and just all of that? What was that like for you? What was your take on it all? Yeah, it was, it was definitely hard, but it, it's interesting, I and mean, we'll probably get into this in just a little bit, but like, it's, it was marked by some of the same like, confidence and like, trust in the Lord that Ryan was talking about last week. That uh, yeah. I had this, it was really weird, this only happened a few times, but like, the, the day before, the night before, Casey and I were supposed to have lunch. He's like, hey, can we have lunch? Sure, go to sleep. And in the middle of the night, like, God woke me up and was like, Casey's going to tell you he's leaving Collective Church tomorrow. I was like, what? So <laughs> I, like, I went to that lunch, and, like, when he started that whole, the, his whole spiel, and I was like, I already know what you're going to say. And it was hard, but I, like, knew that God would, had prepared me for that moment, and it was part of what God had already started doing in Casey, and so because it was clearly his obedience to Jesus, I was like, this is absolutely what you have to do. And yeah, it was hard. It was super hard. And Casey, you've been serving as an elder at your church in Connecticut. And as, I, as we already established, God had called you out of ministry for a season, and then clearly God was bringing you back in, and you've been serving as an elder at your church. What, 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 what has the journey been like back into ministry for you? There was a there was a, a definite level of, of certainty. Um, there wasn't. I mean, there was still just making sure that I wasn't rushing and getting ahead of God and trying to stay in His shadow and all of that. But there was definitely a, an assurance that the Lord was doing something, and it was slow and determined. And and I was I was fully aware of that. And um, and I'm I'm not on staff or anything with them. I'm just a lay elder who's been slowly starting to help them and, and preaching and trying to help this small little church come out of COVID. And so... Well, you're underplaying your role. I've met with your elders. They love you. They speak very highly of you, and they don't want to lose you. No doubt. I'm very special. And was, <laughs> I mean, there's no doubt. Um, now it comes out. But... <laughs> no, but... I, it, there's just... It was undeniable that the Lord was... It was, a, it was a very sweet invitation back in at a slow process... Um, and that needed to happen so that this could happen. Yeah. It had to happen so that this could happen. Yeah. 
and serves the hors d'oeuvre to the appetizer kind of a thing. And, but even then, that wasn't the trajectory. That wasn't the plan. No, it was no, like, no. oh, this is a stepping stone. And then one day, like, it was just you know, not yeah. even on the radar. Not on the radar, but it was, the Lord was just doing something in our family. But you're right, like, that season and those doors the Lord opened for you to get back into ministry uh, at your church, that did set up the opportunity to even come back as a guest preacher. And so, like, Ryan and I were, what was it? Oh, yeah. So you were coming to town for a few days or something. And I said to Ryan, hey, Casey's coming back. And uh, Ryan's like, cool, does he want to preach? And uh, so that Aww. set you up to preach last July. So, and then when you came, it was a bit of an emotional experience for you. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> that made anybody uncomfortable. I do sincerely apologize. What was going on there? I mean, I think it's obvious, but, like, Put some words to it. What was that like coming back here as a guest? Well, if I'm using the, if I'm using the Abraham Isaac Genesis 22 moment, it's it's literally the the it's. I'm not saying it's salvific, but it's seeing the ram in the thicket that the Lord has provided. It was that the Lord was doing something. It was it was just coming back full swing and to see so many faithful faces, people who have made it through COVID, the people who have transcended commercial shopping of church. Garbage. You know what I'm saying? It's a kind of way. And so seeing so many faithful faces. And again, to have a single trajectory of wanting this church just to, by the metrics of heaven, be successful and to have it before your very eyes is an incredible thing to behold. And so standing up here and seeing that and being invited back, which was very sweet of Ryan to be able to do so, was unreal. It was a, it was a heavenly gift. It really was. And if that was my only and last interaction, dude, it was enough to last me a lifetime. Let me, I'll just say this. Can I say this? Can I, let me just say it. I, I said this every single freaking day. I thought about this church. Yeah. It was like a mosquito inside of me. And I would get emotional, and it would just hurt, and it would sting, and it would be beautiful, and I would pray, and all these things. But since that day of being invited back, it was almost as if through the God's grace, through Ryan, like literally electrified the mosquito. It was a gift being able to just know and like kill the wonder and killing the wonder, all these type of things. And so it wasn't that something died. It was something that was almost brought back to life. Like, God, thank you for this church. So. And then you were going to come back again in the fall to tour schools with your oldest son as he's about to graduate high school. So the same thing happened again. And I think it was, um, it was that morning we knew you were coming back with your son. And so Ryan's like, hey, I need another Sunday covered. Should we ask Casey again? So, okay, cool, let's ask Casey. And then it was later that day that Ryan, that's when you told me, hey, guess what? This is what's going on with me. But then, you got something to say? No, no. Oh, okay. So, Ryan, let me ask you. In that conversation, when you're like, hey, I'm leaving. I'm going to plant. And then you said, hey, you want to know what's really crazy? And I'm like, crazier than that? <laughs> and then you got emotional. And it wasn't until that point that you got emotional. And you said, I really think Casey should come back. And you were the first one to bring up his name. Like, you were the one that raised that. What was going on there for you? Why did you think that? Like, where'd that come from? Yeah, it was a weird... So, the big thing is, is in setting all this up, is I wasn't here um, to experience Casey at all. I, I came in, and I, I had to listen to a couple of your sermons, as I know. Uh, <laughs> that was so good. As a part of even my interview process, uh, was... Hey, listen to Casey. What, what are you guys similar? Where are you guys different? And that was really most of my experience of Casey up until uh, it would have been spring of, of 2020, right before everything fell apart. 
that you guys happened to be in town and, and we got to hang out that one night. That was yeah. like my, that was most of Ryan yeah. and Casey's yeah. relationship. Maybe a couple yeah. like texts or like, hey, help me with this thing or whatever. Um, but we, I really didn't have any like vested relationship. Um, not to say that, that I wish I didn't, but um, I'll just. He I, wishes I, he did. Yes. Uh, as I was beginning to pray through, we talked about this last week, um, the reality of me letting go of collective, of letting go of LA, of transitioning into this new thing that more and more so we were just discerning that this seems to be what God was up to. As part of that process, even before we got to like the decision making at the cabin story, there was this like repeated feeling within me that and I'm, I'm, I'm still struggling to find the language for, so, so bear with me. Because it was like this feeling of being given something uh, for the intent and purpose of caring for it, stewarding it is probably the best language, but ultimately not just to, if we're transitioning out, give it away to like whoever the next teaching pastor would be, but this feeling of giving it back that kept coming up. And specifically this sense that it, I was supposed to give it back to Casey. So there was this like, I, I've used the language of like substitute teacher or foster parent. Those are not the best. <laughs> I, I would hope you guys would see me as more than like, Substitute teacher who just like played, you know, magic school bus uh, <laughs> while they were sitting there hangover. Uh, it's like, that was my experience of Ryan. Uh, no, but just genuinely, there was something that I was uh, like, I don't know, like, a, like caring for, watching over, truly pastoring and stewarding. But that in this stepping away, um, I just had this weird sense that I was supposed to give it back and specifically to Casey. And so I didn't know what to do with that. Um, it also wasn't my decision to make. And so when I began to talk to Lo and say, hey, here's the big you know, surprise. You guys knew that Aaron and I have been praying through all this. We have confirmed that we are going to be stepping out of Atlanta Collective. Here's the wild thing is I really think we're supposed to plant a church in Asheville. And the wild, wild, wild thing is I, I really think Casey's supposed to come back. And I said, I don't know if that's what God wants. I don't know if that's what Casey wants. I don't know if that's what you guys want. Like I just didn't even know the intricacies of all the relationships. Sometimes pastors leave and there's a blessing, but it's like, I really don't want to work with that guy ever again. Like we love him, but just, you know, we tried that. So I didn't know, you know, it's just like, I just don't know what's going on, but I, I really think we're supposed to pray through and discern this. Um, and then that was when we began to kind of have those conversations um, first kind of internally. Yeah. And I think I texted Casey later that day because some of you have even had this conversation with Casey. When he was here last July, he's telling the whole world, I'm, I'm coming back in four years. And he didn't mean on staff with us. He meant they miss the city and all that kind of stuff, and their kids are getting older. And, and maybe when his youngest daughter is you know, out of high school, they're thinking about maybe coming back. And so when, this, when all this comes up, I text Casey later in the day. And partly venting, partly uh, catharsis, part sarcasm, uh, I, all I, I sent him a text that just said, you have one year. And, <laughs> and, he, and what, what was amazing, and I love telling that part of the story because he didn't take the bait. He didn't, he didn't jump all over it. And what? You know, and he didn't go into like uh, force it mode. He's like, meh. And he's like, what, Ryan's leaving? I'm like, yeah. He's like, wow, okay. But he didn't take the bait. He, jumped, he didn't jump all over it. And it was a real kind of measured, patient response that, again, I was like, yep, that's Casey. Like, that was part of the work that God's been doing in you. It's like, you're, you've grown a lot. And um, I know Collective has always had a special place in your heart. 
but even the, and we have enough of a relationship that you knew that in that moment it wasn't a job offer, but you didn't even like entertain the idea in such a way that you were then going to force it or anything like that. So we started having conversations, and Ryan and you had started having conversations as well. What what, what was that like for you, Case, when? Like we're even like talking now about that and interested in being interested. Like there was the possibility of maybe, possibly, potentially one day, maybe it could happen. But we were in the very early stages. What was it like for you in in that phase? I mean, it's it's like talking to an imaginary friend, or talking about dragons coming back, or whatever it could be. It, it, it didn't. So it was like amazing. Reality. You said dragons coming back. <laughs> <laughs> about it, I think my reactions were God's going to have to move heaven, hell, and yeah. earth yeah. to make that happen because there's no way that's happening. Yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah, I totally remember you saying that. And I love that. And Disbelief. I, yeah, and my, I think my attitude was the same. It's like, yeah, he's going to have to do it, so let's see what he does. What was your initial take, Isaac, when, when you started getting looped in of like, <laughs> just the fact that Ryan's leaving, now Casey's name is being dropped. Like, what, where were you with all of that? Well, it was eerily, like I said, it was eerily similar. Yeah. So, you know, you guys are gone in the summer, and we're gone in the summer. We get back together. Hey, let's let's have a drink. Okay, cool. Ryan comes over. Night before, <laughs> like, God goes, like, Ryan's going to tell you he's leaving tomorrow. Ryan, or uh, Isaac is very in the spirit, everyone. Nope. <laughs> he's very connected. And let me you just tell you. something. That's why I'm sharing it, because it's not like, oh, it's Wednesday, I get a prophetic word. <laughs> That's because they come on Thursdays. <laughs> it was, like, very vivid. And so, like, when we sat down to grab a beer, I was like, I already know what you're going to say. And he, I let him share it anyway. But, um, <laughs> like, the whole, the whole time he's talking, I was like, you know, I know he's leaving, but, you know, the, the church plant part was new, so we were kind of, like, celebrating that, like, that God gave him that vision. And the whole time I'm thinking, like, this whole story is only going to make sense if, magically, God brought Casey back to Collective Church. And I tell Ryan that, like, <laughs> at the end of his, like, spiel, and he's like, funny you should say that. <laughs> and that's probably where you was largely just continuing to bring up that that same dynamic that right that you had had that sense that I just had it was like man you know you've got your dreams and I, I just have this in prayer sense of this kind of repeated thing that and again I was like I don't know if that's what you want I don't know if that's what gets best for Casey or what's best for his family or what's best for collective but you know I, I told Lo and 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 I, I really think that we should discern and pray through this together um, if this would be what collective would have and then um, things were, you know, conversations were happening. And, and as most of you know, Isaac's not on staff with us. He's a lay pastor, and so he's a volunteer. 
And so because of that, he's not with us every day, all day. And so there's times where he's not completely up to speed on whatever conversations were happening in the middle of the day or whatever. So there was a point where it's like... God okay, just tells me I'll live it anyway. There you go, apparently. <laughs> just kidding. He said, what? <laughs> but there was a point where like, you should have a conversation with, with Casey. And I just thought they were going to catch up and, you know, talk about whatever. But you went for the jugular. You full-on interviewed him. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we already had, like, our own relationship, like, going before. And, he, like, he knows that I shoot straight. Um, and that's, like, we were on FaceTime. I was in my office. And he's like, it's great to see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're catching up kind of thing. And I was like, I hope you don't mind. I, like, have some serious questions for you. And he was like, that's exactly what I want. Um, so I just asked him, like, what was, like, what's the deal? Like, is this actually a, a call from God? Do you feel like this is what God is doing in your life or is it just convenience? Um, does this, you know, make sense for your family? Or, like, do you feel like there's any, like, manipulation going on or, like, they feel manipulated by the situation or whatever? Um, and then if you were to come back, like, was it, like, how long? Like, do you feel like this is just an L.A. thing for, like, a little bit? Like, and then, like, kind of grilled him a little too hard probably for that initial conversation. No? But I don't know. Like, all of his answers were just, like, clearly confirming. Like, I was the one who had that, like, sense, like, this, this is supposed to happen. But I didn't want it to just, like, oh, this is, like, the right thing. I have this sense about it. And, like... That's just what wishful thinking, and God's not actually in it. But it was clear that God had been preparing Casey for a while. Yeah, and then you and I started, Casey, you and I started having similar conversations where it's like, okay, if obviously our friendship has remained, but this whole idea of working together again, I really wanted to just make sure that we were good. And, you know, I remember we, I got you on the phone, or FaceTime, I guess it was. And I'm like, hey, um... Let's have a conversation. And is there anything we need to talk about? Anything unresolved, unsettled, anything? And we entered the danger. And we started poking around. And That's stirring. the name of his new podcast. There you go. Yeah. And we started poking around and, like, stirring stuff up. And we, we talked about a lot of stuff. And there was a lot of tears. And one of the things that I loved about that, which was good to experience, was you didn't owe me an apology for anything. And I didn't owe you an apology for anything, but we still had a lot to talk about. And it brought us to greater understanding based on, you know, what we had seen the Lord doing and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And it was, we had some pretty intense conversations. So, um, so we're going through this process. We're interested in being interested. If I have the timeline correct, um, then... Ryan is headed over to Nashville for a, a conference, and you decide to invite Casey. Yeah, I think we'd already made the decision at that point. We'd already made the decision at that point? See. Yeah. How'd that trip go? Fabulous. <laughs> so, um, no, so we'd already made the decision at the point, but yeah, I was going to this preaching conference in Nashville, and um, I... I was I have like some buddies from college that were getting their seminary that were going to be there and and one of them ended up being there and he had his whole staff so I was going to be like oh great so I'll just be alone the whole time super fun um yeah thank you whoever gave me that thank you Nate <laughs> oh that's how I felt um so I just we had already made the decision I was like man it'd be so fun not just to 
um, have some time with just me and Casey because most of it's always been like with the other guys or these little like quick phone calls. But to have like multiple days where just the two of us can get to hang out and then be able to go to like this conference where we're both able to like, you know, hear some stuff on preaching to kind of kickstart the conversation with both of us, you know, serving as teaching pastors now at Collective. Um, and it was, I, I had a blast. It was one of the highlights of my year. Um, just getting to know Casey going from like, oh, this is the guy that's like um, coming back in as a teaching pastor. This is the guy that's going to be leading and, and preaching to this community that I love so much. And like to genuinely like getting to a place where it's like, no, man, I just stinking love Casey. Like I, like as a, as a, as a friend, I'm very excited about Casey. Um, and so that, I, I, that was, I think the takeaway was realizing a lot of stuff that we have in common, a lot of stuff that orcas. we just had in the orcas, orcas, orcas forever. Um, <laughs> And uh, just talking through the family dynamics and even our call to ministry, weird theological, like, pets that we have that we keep hidden from all of you because you guys would judge us for it. You mean Calvin um, and Luther? What? <laughs> what, what, what your, your theological pets, Calvin and Luther. Yeah, no. <laughs> There's a cage for those two. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, some of you guys, that's a joke. I love both of them. Anyway, um, no, I, this, it was just, it was honestly a really good time just to hang out with Casey Getting to know him not just as pastor or preacher that's coming in, um, but genuinely like to, to develop that friendship together. Yes. It was, it, was, it was something that was great for me, too, for you to get to know him like we know him. And um, for even an Isaac, for Isaac and I to not be there and just the two of you guys hanging out. So it was great to just see that friendship starting to blossom. And, yeah, I guess I messed up the timeline. I guess the decision had already been made at that point. But... <clears throat> yeah, we were just trying to do the best we could. If, if I back up a little bit with this pro with this whole process, and like I remember, like one of the things that really stood out to me was the hiring pro the rehiring process with Casey was very similar to the hiring process with you, in the sense that we're trying to find, um, we're we're trying to ask the Lord that He would guide us and direct us and lead us to who would be the right fit. Uh, not the best person on paper, no offense, you guys, um, but who, who is the Lord's choice and what is next? And who, who is the best fit to come alongside us that is theologically aligned, philosophically aligned, missionally aligned, relationally aligned, all those sorts of things, someone who can just step in. And when Casey left... And then hiring you, we didn't even know you from a hole in the ground in the beginning. We had to get to know you. But that was that same thing we were still looking for. And so with you now you leaving and this prospect of Casey potentially coming back, it's like, well, there were some boxes that were already checked off that, okay, we know this is going to be a good fit. But more than like how we go through a hiring process, we really needed to see how the Lord was working. So sort of open a question to everyone. Like how did you guys begin to really sense that the Lord was orchestrating and, and directing this? How did, you, how did you sense the Lord was leading this? I mean, I, I know for me, it would have, uh, the biggest thing would have been my daughter. So I have a, and it, can I get into that? Yeah, absolutely. So I have an amazing 15-year-old daughter. She's one of the strongest women in the world. I'm like, and nobody make direct on, eye contact with her. You'll, you'll turn to stone. She is strong. <laughs> she's beautiful. She's amazing. She is a powerhouse and a juggernaut of a young woman. Um, but taking your daughter out of high school 
to yeah. travel across the country, and yeah. she's already had a crappy three years of COVID, and so friends are scarce, and she's starting to make deep friends, and she's getting involved in programs where she's very successful and part of this. And there's, there was literally, I think one time we talked about it, when we were feeling stirred to come back to Los Angeles, I said, wouldn't this be great? And I think her exact words were, no way in hell, is what she said to me. So I was like, okay, this isn't happening. This isn't happening. And then when we started to approach this without even telling her that there could be a, a position or whatever it is, my wife and I, we were sitting on the couch, we looked at her, and she literally was like, I'm open. You guys, that is not small potatoes. For a 15-year-old girl to go, I will literally saw asunder and cut my life in half. I will give it all up. She says, I'm open. And then during this time, Lorenzo said that we were coming back. I said, let's go see. And I brought my daughter on this trip. If you guys remember the last time, oh, gosh, I hope I don't break down. And we're, she's here, and she's here discovering. She's like, Lord, do you want me here as well? We, I mean, like, she, we wanted them to be a part of this because of what we're saying. Are we seeing the evidences of grace of what God's doing? And during worship, when your 15-year-old daughter, who's strong, needs no man, whatever could possibly be, <laughs> comes back, comes back during worship, bawling her eyes out and embraces me and says, I believe Jesus is calling us here. And we held each other for like two or three songs as she's just weeping, understanding what she will have to be obediently do in order to make that happen, to follow the will of God as a 15-year-old girl. Dude, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is not denying that God is in the midst of this for these, these small things. This is huge. She's giving up her pets upon which she loves in order to make this happen. She's saying goodbye to these friends. Her sacrifice is immense. And I know it, I know it. We're older, we get this, but I mean, for a 15-year-old girl in high school, this, we know what this is. And she says yes, not to schools here, not to life here, but to you guys. To you guys. To this church. That's what she's saying yes to. And I know you don't know her, and we don't know you guys, but she feels that the Lord has something for you guys to teach her and for her to be a part of your life. Talk about an evidence of grace, man. For your daughter to go, no way in hell, I'm open to. Jesus is saying, Dad, we are supposed to be here. Wow. Yeah, and, and, and this is where, as you guys are learning more of this story, maybe you'll start to recognize it, but this is where your story with Ryan's, they, they overlap a lot and they're very yeah. similar because Ryan's making this decision to put his family first and following right. Jesus in this. And same kind of way, like your immediate take was God isn't going to call me back to all of this if my family's not on board. I will not put my kids on the altar yeah. of Collective Church ever, yeah. ever. And Ryan won't and we won't. So if, if I was like, it will destroy me, it was not going to happen. Yeah. That's one of the things I love about you. It's one of the things that qualifies you to be here is that you got that straight between you and Jesus and that you're not clamoring for a ministry position that maybe in the deepest part of your heart you are inclined towards and desire, but you've got your stuff sorted out where family comes first, and that was awesome. And I, I saw that when you first moved to L.A. years ago. I saw that way back then, and so... Very consistent. Love that about you. <clears throat> and uh, 
one of the things I saw and how God was speaking to my heart about all of this was, I mean, Isaac was making fun of me a lot because maybe I overthink things or, is that the word? I've never said that. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you said I, something about I know you're going to like. I know you're going to put this through a very meticulous discernment process. I think we're my words. <laughs> that. Okay. It's a process. It is a process. But one of my one of my fears was, I know Casey. I love Casey. But this is not about hiring my friends. I got a lot of pastor friends. Um, I'm not interested in offering my friends a and job. If, and if it was, then you've disqualified yourself. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, if that's yeah. something that was happening. Yeah. This this is not for me to build my little kingdom and my little buddies and all that kind of stuff. That super inappropriate, not cool, not like that ain't happening. So that was even one of the things I had to sort through, like testing my own heart. Like, why do I want this? Why am I interested in this? And that was why I was committed. Not only did I feel like it was the right thing, you know, for you guys and before the Lord, obviously, but even just for myself, like I have to have a clear conscience about this that this is sound, we're going through the process, we're not cutting corners, we're not forcing this, we're not making assumptions, and God, you're going to have to do this. And sometimes, as Ryan shared last week, sometimes God sends the angel, you know, like he did with Philip, and says, you know, this is what I want you to do, or this is what's next, or whatever. Uh, and there was none of that. But the kicker for me was when I realized, ah, oh, this, this sense in my heart, I, when I recognized that feeling, and it was the, the, exactly how I felt, when I said, okay, I'll plant the church with Casey. And I, it was something, if you don't know the story, it's something I ran from. I, I did not want to do it. And, and God's like, you know. I gotcha. Yeah, and, and he was patient with me. And when I realized, oh, my goodness, how I feel right now is how I felt back then, like that sense of certainty and surety when I didn't even want to do it back then. Uh, then it's like, oh, man, this is getting real. And we talked about it, and we were starting to really sense what the Lord was doing. Um, is there anything else about you, Isaac, about that season or anything well, like that? Before Isaac, I mean, I, one of the things that, because in many ways I was part of the process, but I also was like, I'm also going to be leaving. So, like, you know, this, I'll, I'll be part of this, but uh, you, I was really allowing you guys to guide the, that conversation. And one of the, just to even put a pin, is that the word? Emphasize? I think, Lorenzo, your process of this, it was... Um, both so exemplary and encouraging and also infuriating and frustrating how at the end of where it felt like we all stacked hands and we're like, yeah, this yeah. is definitely what God's doing. We, you took like a month plus yeah. of just kind of like, we're just going to continue to sit, sit in the decision and pray before yeah. we even like tell Casey anything. And it was infuriating, obviously over state, state stepping it. Um, but just like this, like, I feel like we know, man, like, I feel like this, like, let's go. And, and your whole thing was like, I'm giving a long runway for God to, like, do the crazy, you know, Wednesday dreams and, like, all the different things. Um, to, for God to make this abundantly clear if we're, if, if, if we're missing something. Yeah, and I was considering other people as well. Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was, it was wild um, and encouraging. Example, again, that the process was not like, oh, that's what makes the most sense. Or that's what Lorenzo wants. Or that's what Kate, like, it was one of... Like, in the bringing, weaving together all these desire, desires, but then bringing through this process of deep discernment, um, truly allowing God to be that space. Um, yeah. So I just want to celebrate, mm -hmm. I think, your 
again, discernment in that, the character and the integrity of, like, not doing what Lorenzo wants to do, or even what makes the most sense for Lorenzo, but a process that was really um, surrendered to the spirits leading through it all. Yeah, it was, it was, be sure we're sure, you know, and give God plenty of space. Yeah, if you have, like, if you have a pretty solid intuition of what should happen, Lorenzo's still going to put it through a discernment process. That's like kind of at the end of the day, you can be confident about that. Like, and he's our lead pastor, so you should be confident about that. But I can testify to that. You know, I told him my intuition that like, this is only going to make sense if, if Casey comes back. I didn't say like the Lord told me that or whatever, but like, this is only going to make sense. And you, you know that. But he was considering other people and like back when we were hiring Ryan, we like we interviewed some very, very qualified people that were incredible teachers yeah. and could have gone through that process again, still have some of those relationships. Mm -hmm. You got pastor buddies, all that kind of stuff. And at the same time, it still was just like, God was very clear, like none of those were the people. Yeah, and that process, that decision was different too. We were in my office. And we had this, like, super intense prayer time. I think we were both bawling. No, you were in your office. I was actually on the phone. Oh, was, yeah, that's yeah, I was right. was walking around UCLA campus, and we were just, like, right. between Ryan and one other guy. And I was, like. I was bawling like a baby. I, I was, like, Renzo, are you, are you crying right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, don't, no. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> uh, but I remember during when we were praying, there was just a sense that Ryan was the guy. And I, I said, amen, and I said, Isaac, I think Ryan's the guy. And you said, I think so, too. Yep. And we made that move. And the reason why I share that, that's a different kind of transition, but the reason why I share that is because at the time, the plan was not for Ryan to be here for four years. That wasn't the plan, right? He didn't think that. I didn't think that. None of us thought that. But when you follow Jesus and you, have, you follow a trustworthy process, you have trustworthy outcomes, and so, did you think for a second we made a mistake when he says, We're le I'm leaving? No. No. I mean, you, you ask yourself the question to, get, to find out what your answer is, probably. And that's what I did. Like, wait, did we? Like, no, we did not. And, there was, and, and now all this going down is like, wow, like the Lord like, has been orchestrating this stuff all this time. And now he's got other stuff for Ryan now in planting and moving to North Carolina. And yeah, all that. I mean, like... Ryan's, like, analogy of, like, stewardship that he has. I would have never said that, like, you know, like, you were just a steward or whatever, but it actually fits so beautifully And when you understand what stewardship is. You take something that doesn't belong to you, you care for it the best you possibly can, and then you say, God, it's yours. And that's exactly what this guy has done. Yeah. yeah. I think most of the emotion around it for me when we were first talking was that sense of, God calling Casey into a particular work that he wanted to do within him that just it seemed, as Casey discerned, he could not do while in full-time ministry. Yeah. And, um, and even if he would have done that, I mean, just we've talked about the timing of stuff of like if he would have been there and had been disobedient to God to step in and heal in that way and then had to pastor through COVID. Yeah. Like that would have been like there's just so many ways that the timeline worked out that I think I just became deeply aware of this gift of like, man, I was able to come in serve and contribute to the work that God is doing within collective to even in many ways be, be a shaping part of like what this community continues to be um, specifically so that um, not only I could get trained like more training and more props or whatever like preaching more often doing whatever at that 
but truly like learning and gleaning and experiencing this incredibly healthy community, one that I have not had, like a church that this, this healthy, um, for us to be able to do that. But then for me to be able to serve within that role, but then so that Casey, after that period of being obedient to exactly what God wanted to do within that season, that both Casey and Collective and all these different pieces could come to It was the Rubik's Cube yeah. that I just saw, um, I think is what, what came together. I want to jump on what Isaac said a second ago, and I want to make sure it's crystal clear. I want to say it publicly. I want to say it in front of you, and I know you all will agree. Um, Ryan, never, never think that you were the foster parent. I, I, I don't, whatever the analogy is, I also don't want to like, it's a beautiful thing to be a foster parent. It's a beautiful thing to be a stepfather. But I, I, if that's your way of throwing yourself under the bus and belittling and diminishing your role, let me tell you, I mean, you already said it, like God's timing, yes, I affirm that. We agree with that. You, God has used you here. You haven't just been the fill-in and the sub. Yeah, you haven't been the fill-in, you haven't been the sub waiting for daddy to come back or whatever. Can we not refer to Casey like that ever? No. No, like, that, that, and that, I think that's a, that's a, the reason why we need to acknowledge that, it's not just to honor you in an appropriate way. The reason why we need to acknowledge that is because that was God's plan A for that season. You weren't God's plan B for that season. You were God's plan A for that season. And, and you're still following Jesus, and now it's not what any of us thought. And as far as collective is concerned, you're moving on, and Casey's coming back. But, like, all of this is God's plan A, and we're just trying to discern that and recognize that and, and go, oh, okay, and roll with it and just, you know, say, all right, God, if that's what you want, we're here to follow you and say yes to that. Um, shifting gears a little bit, with that prospect now, Casey, you coming back, what are your fears? Mostly Lily. Lily's a big one. <laughs> uh, I've got a thousand fears. I have a thousand fears. But I'll, I'll say this, but they're not conquering fears. They're like affirmation fears. You know what I mean? They're... You're, you're allowed to have fear. Peter was afraid to walk on the water. You just can't have fear that's greater than your faith. And so I, I am afraid of a lot of things. I'm, 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 but nothing to do with the moving across country or selling our house or anything like that. It's mostly just, and not even that fears to do with the discerning of God's calling. It's mostly just wanting to make sure that I can pastor you well. And, 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 some people I have no idea who I am, um, and there's some people who have known me for a long time, and there's some people who probably, full transparency, have issues with my leaving, and I've, we've got work to do there. Whatever it could possibly be, uh, there are fears there that I want to walk through faithfully with you, and so there are fears of assurance and affirmation that there's work here to do that the Lord is inviting me in on, but it, again, it, it's, it's really just more of Remind, you know, reminding myself that the Lord is with you even in those dark valleys or the hardships or those unforeseen circumstances that yeah. there he is meeting us in those voids. So. And speaking of the hard parts, you coming back 
it's not like just flip a switch. Like you're having to make sacrifices to come back. Yeah. You want me to talk about that? Yeah, yeah let them know what's going on. Bro. <laughs> no, that's what I'm talking about. She gets it. I, there are some legit, yeah, there are some sacrifices. I, I, okay, I'll say this. So whatever I'm about to say, it might be weird if I'm talking about this, but I'll just say whatever I'm about to say, and I talk about these sacrifices, I would love for them to be heard in such a way of not look at me, but if you want to know how much I love Jesus, I hope it's seen as my commitment and obedience to how I want to serve you guys through this. Does this guy love Jesus? Is this guy still trying to follow Christ? Hopefully it's seen as what I will be obedient to, what I want to do for you. So, yeah, we have to sell our home. Um, my wife, rightfully so, as a lot of us here want to have a mortgage. It's sort of like an L.A. dream to have a mortgage. My wife has said it beautifully. She, Obedience to Jesus is sweeter than any mortgage. And it's true. And so we're happy to walk through. And, yeah, we just got done renovating. We give it up. We're part of a, a really sweet little community. We're happy to give it up. Moving across country sucks. I don't know how many people have done here. It's not fun. There's, there's some arduous trails here that we have to take. We're happy to do it. We are happy to give these things up. We are happy to be here. We are happy to put these things on the altar. We can kind of go through all the nitty-gritty or whatever it is. But the things that we probably, as Angelina, so desperately want, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Obedience to Jesus is so much grander and so much greater. And so saying yes to those things has been one of the, again, one of the greatest gifts to follow Jesus through all of these sacrifices for the Lord, of course, but also for you guys to be a part of your life again, to be part and, 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 and to lock arms again in the kingdom. So, And um, in your career, uh, oh, yeah, as far I, as your yeah. job, like for those that. of you that, that don't know, Casey is an uh, author and an artist and things have been going well, let's say. Yeah. yeah things have been going well and... This is a, you're going to have to shelve all that stuff. Let's lay it aside because you think this is what the Lord has well, for you that's next. The biggest, yeah, that's the biggest sacrifice because I'm very fortunate to work like a couple hours a day and make a lot of money. It's really nice. And step back into like a 40-hour, I'm going to need like a slow on-ramp. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, dude. But yeah, I'm happy to give up. It's a career that my wife and I built from the ground up, and we're yeah. very proud of it. And it's the most lucrative thing we've done. And it's very shocking what the Lord's done with this silly little project of ours. But, again, as far as when it comes to you guys, this family, and what Jesus wants, goodbye. Goodbye. Not saying that we didn't wrestle through it. Yeah. But it doesn't compare. Yeah. It just doesn't compare. So, yeah, I, I will no longer be part of the company that I built. So now... Um what do you, this, so this is happening, what are you most looking forward to? Oh, dude. This is it. This is it. Burritos. <laughs> I'm looking forward to burritos with all of you. I'm looking forward to I thought you were calling them burritos. <laughs> and I was like, what? This is it. Burritos. Like, what is wrong with your vision? This is it. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I, yeah, teaching the Bible or whatever. Hello now. I, I, seriously, I cannot wait to be with you. I love you, and whether you know it or not, I've been praying for you my entire life. And so the chance to spend time with you, and there are uh, coffees and beers and burritos and cigars or whatever you want to do, dude, sign me up. I cannot wait to literally 
walk with you in, in different parts of your life. I cannot wait to share parts of my life with you. And whatever the Lord has done in the last four years, I will say this. Yes, there's a lot for me, but I will say it's to your advancement. If the Lord had to do something in me that was hard, I hope it's so that I can come back and share that with you and walk through that with you. Yeah, there's that's no doubt. my hope. No doubt. And so I wanted, that's my hope for this church. I want you to just be, yes, I want to befriend you and all those things, but also it's a joy to be your pastor. The Bible says, the Bible says that it, it is a noble desire. This is my noble desire, to be with you guys day in and day out, if you give me the chance. If that's something that, I don't know if the Lord's doing in you guys in this transition, but I look forward to be, to be here in Los Angeles with you, locked arms for the kingdom of Christ. So with this being, you know, we're sure we're sure at this point and all that kind of stuff. But there's such a strong sense that we didn't make a good decision. You know, there's such a sense that we're in, like, we're responding to what the Lord is doing. So it's weird. I, I don't feel like I'm not proud of this decision. I don't own this decision. You know what I mean? Like, it's right. just, right. it's just, I don't feel like we made it. But, and there is such a strong sense within the three of us that this is what the Lord has next. And Casey as well for you in a different kind of way. Right. But, you know, for... Isaac and Ryan, I'm curious for you to share, how does that sense that this is the Lord's hand working? And, and Ryan, your perspective is a little bit different because you're going to be making your way out, right? But this sense that this is what the Lord is doing in collective church, how does that shape your perspective and your expectations about the future of collective church? I mean, obviously, it's not the crystal ball thing, but like God's doing something. So what, how does that... What does that make you think? Um, so, I mean, the, the two of these guys walking out obedience to God calling them to do very difficult but necessary things within their own discipleship um, and getting to walk alongside both of them in doing that, you know, several years apart and now this, um, it's it's made them kind of like these parables, you know, like the like life story is like a parable of like just watching what happens when you sacrifice something for the kingdom of God, say yes to what God's plan is for you, even though you don't want to. And then just seeing the spiritual fruit of that come, um, it makes me so thankful that it feels like well, we say it all the time. But, like, Jesus is the head of the church. That's right. Like, Jesus is the chief shepherd, and he's shepherding us so well together. And we get to see, like, a little microcosm of that in how he's shepherding these two guys and their families. And so to know that God is faithfully doing that and just to see this, like, really beautiful picture of how he brought it all together um, in this Rubik's Cube. Yeah. Um, makes me feel so confident in God's leadership of us. Mm -hmm. Yep, yeah. absolutely. That's where it's like, wow, like how gracious and kind of God that he would work in our church in this way. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, you, we're, you know, we're obviously going to have a chance to say goodbye to you uh, in the spring, but as you, as you, summer? summer? summer. June? Okay. June. Right. Unless, unless something's changed that I just now found out. <laughs> There's a very long discernment process. Yeah. End of June, for those paying attention. 
So we're going to get a chance to say goodbye to you and all that, and there'll be time for that. But just as you think about the future now and seeing God's hand, what are your thoughts? Um, I have a lot. So I'm sitting over here trying to, to highlight one of them um, because I have many. Um, I think one of the things that has been so confirming to me in my time with Casey and even watching him when he's been you know, guest preaching here, um, there are many pastors and preachers who, one, um, give themselves to a life of ministry that grows and exists almost simply for the sake of the ministry itself and not as an overflow of what God has done within them. Um, and Casey's not one of them. We're not one of those guys. Um, there's also many who, for whom um, the church um, is a platform for their own name, their own brand, their own nonsensedness, to put it nicely, because, I mean, I guess I could say, I could use bad words, and because you, I mean, you know, I could, I, yeah, what are you going to do, fire me? Like, it's like, uh, I could be very blunt. No, I, 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 one of the things that I, that genuinely, if you, any of the, you that know me, the thing that, one of the things about the church that drive me most wild is the way that what is meant to be a community of self-sacrificial love centered on the person of Jesus becomes an avenue for one guy to build his brand, to do his nonsense. And um, that's just become like the American thing. Most churches, you just kind of accept that that's kind of your pastor is going to be distracted doing his own, you know, tweeting and book building or whatever. Um, and I'm not against writing books, but it's evident when you're in those spaces. And so one of the things that was most encouraging to me in my time with Casey and confirming for me is that like there's a shared um, cussedness um, of, of the way that we view that kind of stuff that isn't just our opinions, but genuinely the way that we lead and we pastor. Um, and one of the ways that I found that most, I just, it, it was one of those confirmations to when you were visiting, even before this was even a conversation. Yeah. And your love was, um, I had a whole emotional experience that we won't talk about right now when Casey was preaching. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that was most confirming for me was that after the gathering, um, Casey wasn't um, just spending time with, like, all of his BFFs and just ping-ponging around to, like, I missed you. I want to hang out with you because that's what I would do. Um, but, um, but genuinely was taking time with those of you that he doesn't know to talk, to pray, to get to know you and to hear about you because he genuinely does love the church. And so just this confirmation of, like, Casey's not one of those guys that's trying to build a brand. He's not one of those guys that's doing ministry out of the sake of, like, a, a broken identity that he needs the church to be like his dad or something like that. And, and also, um, he's not coming back or returning for the sake of, like, just to be with his buddies, but for the sake of, like, collective as a, as a church. Um, I, I don't know. Those are some of the things that get me most excited. Yeah, I, and I genuinely mean, like, eye contact. <laughs> I, I'm not saying this for the sake of anybody else um, but genuinely like that's what makes me really excited about you coming in is those are the things that I think are most important for pastors and I think we agree on that and I think you faithfully have lived into that and I'm so excited to see that yeah. sort of ministry continue to take root here yeah and, and adorable I, I can do eye contact <laughs> I'll save that for later and that's Casey's track record too you know, that's who he is. That's the pastor that he is. Casey, um, as you see, same question, the hand of God 
What is, how does that shape your perspective and your expectations about what's next? About what's next? Yeah, oh, like what yeah. If it, just seeing God's hand, what does it make you think about the future? Oh, well, that, I mean, that's, that's what all this is, right? Like, that's what this is, is us, us trying to determine and discern what God is doing now so that he can do what he wants to do then. And this is very powerful. And so it does get me excited about Ryan's future and what the Lord had to do through that. It does get me excited about planting more churches. It does get me excited that even right now that we don't know what's going on or the church, there could be confusion, whatever it could possibly be. But if God is in this, which we believe it is so, then it is good. Whatever the future of collective is, it is good. So you may not know and maybe uncertainty or I may not like his preaching or I may not like this or whatever. Whatever it is, God's in it. It is good. Yeah. So my, my future hope of collective is just that. Yeah. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know if we're going to come down to 12 people. I don't know if this building is going to get set on fire. I have no idea. It's going to be good. Just with your preaching. It's just going to be good. So at least we can say is that because that is, not, that is not an ecclesiological thing. That is a theological, this is the truth of God. If he is in and he is moving, it is beautiful, it is good, and it is right. Yeah. So that's what I'm excited about for the future. Yeah. That's what we know for certain. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, I just want to say, as this is sort of a milestone for us as a church, and even in this moment where we're, you know, publicly reintroducing Casey and all that, and this is a milestone that causes us to look back, also acknowledge our present situation, and look forward. Uh, I just want to say... Um, I appreciate your steadiness. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Isaac. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I remember like, okay, Casey's gone. Now it's the two of us and just trying to sort through what we do now. Thank you. And what does that look like? And for a guy who isn't on staff and has a real job and a family and other responsibilities, and you all know, for those that were here back then, this guy pulled his weight and more. And so we're, we're so thankful because that was a huge part in the discernment process and Ryan coming and all of that. And your faithfulness, I just appreciate that so much. And you're such a gift to our church. Thank you. Um, Ryan, um, like I already said earlier, like you, you were God's plan A for that season. And God is, you're still on that path. Yeah. And you're still following him in what he has for you. And when I think about um, your resilience through COVID, uh, that was a really difficult time for all of us. And, you know, I've talked about this publicly. It was a very difficult time for me. And you were just so steady and you just took care of business. And uh, I, I thank you for that and your faithfulness. It's such a gift. And then Casey, you know, just final thought here. We welcome you back without reservation we recognize that God is doing this. This isn't because you're awesome. This is, this is us recognizing the hand of the Lord, and, and we, we see it as that, and we are excited about the future and the part, the role that you're going to be able to play here in the future of Collective Church. And so we, we welcome you back without reservation, and uh, we are really excited about what God has for us next. Thank you. I received that. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. So we're on this journey. We're, let's see what happens. You know, in, 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 in my thoughts as far as how this shapes our perspective moving forward and seeing God move, it's like buckle up. Let's see what he does. Yep.
Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate that. Can someone grab this for me? All right. So, um, real quick, I just want to share a scripture with you guys. It's such a, an amazing thing to be able to see the hand of God working in his church. And, man, especially with the guys that I get to serve with, it makes me grateful for how we get to follow Jesus together. And it's just a, an amazing thing to be able to see what God is doing. It makes me so privileged to be able to serve with guys like this, to be able to, to serve with a guy like Ryan for the time that we've had and now welcome Casey back, which was not at all what any of us expected. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3, there's an account there of two men, Paul and Apollos, and it kind of reminds me of two other men, Casey and Ryan. Now, it's not a one-for-one -one transfer. It's not a one-for-one, -one, you know, they're not exactly the same and all that kind of stuff. But um, it says there in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, what, it, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed, and each has the role the Lord has given. I planted, this is Paul speaking of himself, I planted... Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. So just looking at this real quick, making some obvious connections, obvious observations and obvious connections. What Paul says, what is Apollos, what is Paul? They are servants, or we are servants. He's speaking of himself, right? What is a servant? Uh, Isaac talked about it earlier, about what a steward was. A servant or a steward minds the affairs of another, uh, tends to the agenda of another. They serve according to the will of another. And then he says, there are servants through whom you believe. So here are two men who had effective ministry. Their ministry was efficacious for the betterment of people. It was through them that they believed. And each has the role the Lord has given. I planted and Apollos watered. Each of them serving in the role that God gave them. But God gave the growth. Paul makes it very clear. He actually says it twice. But God gave the growth. And this isn't just like numeric. This is like literally the, the metaphor being a, the planting and watering and a plant growing. But it says God brought the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. But only God who gives the growth. So their service, the way that the Paul served, the way that Apollos served, it was... It was, I don't want to belittle it because it was significant and it was effective and it's, it was them doing what the Lord had called them to do. But 
Paul is sort of saying here, he's sort of like downplaying the role, not in this false humility way and not in, this, not in a way like he's trying to make a point anything other than the point of all this is God. The point of all of this is that God brings the growth and he makes that really clear here. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. So they were united. They were one. They were pulling in the same direction. They were complementary. And it says here that God will acknowledge the unique and good work of each one through the rewards that he will give them. But in the pre uh, preceding verses to this text, what's happening there in context is that the people were dividing up and picking sides. And they were saying, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos. And these two camps were being formed, and they saw themselves in conflict with one another and in competition with one another. And Paul is saying, what are you talking about? These two guys, they are one. There's, there, there's, and he's speaking of himself again, we are one. We are not two camps. We are following Jesus together. They're, we're on the same side and instead of the people, where the people were sort of picking and choosing who they wanted to be associated with, Paul's like, you're completely missing the point. You're completely missing the point. Now, some of these camps may have taken, uh, may have uh, uh, formed due to the different types of ways that these two guys were gifted. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul speaks of his own reputation in very negative ways. He basically is acknowledging this reputation uh, that he has, where it was said of him, his letters are weighty and powerful, but his physical presence is weak, and his public speaking amounts to nothing. That's what they were saying about the Apostle Paul. And what Apollos was known for, we see in Acts 18, he's described as an eloquent man who is competent in the use of the scriptures. So maybe that's why these two camps are being formed. People are gravitating to these two different ministers for different reasons. And Paul, and Paul is addressing them, and again in context, what we see leading up to that, is Paul's, Paul's kind of rebuking them here. And he's saying, you're doing this because you're immature. So he's rebuking them, and the issue is that they are missing the point because they think it's all about Paul or it's all about Apollos, and he's like, no, it's God who brings the growth. That's what I need you to understand. It's God that brings the growth. Paul can be used. Apollos can be used. Other people can be used. There's another passage that's very similar to a couple chapters earlier. He throws Cephas into the mix. I am of Cephas. And Paul's like, here's the point. The point is that God brings the growth. Only God can make it happen. Yeah, Paul has a role. He's going to plant. Apollos has a role. He's going to water. But only God brings the growth. Plant all you want. Water all you want. God brings the growth. This is about God and his work. Paul is seeking to get them to understand that. Don't miss the point. This is about God and his work, and we get to play a part in it. But don't get it twisted and don't be blind. Don't be looking to the other things. Don't be confused about who's responsible for this. The Apostle Paul is the Apostle Paul. His, uh, according to the reputation that he cites, his 
letters were strong and powerful and weighty, and so maybe he was better known for that. And Apollos was certainly known for his teaching of the scriptures and his eloquence. But all of that's like, that's just in service to what Jesus wants. And they're just tools, just tools that God uses to accomplish what he wants. It's about God and his work. When we look at our story here, of course, Casey has had a historical role here. And then most of us, right in front of our faces, in this more, more recent season with Ryan, how God has used him is obvious. But they're on the same side. I don't think anyone unders- I don't think anyone here pits them against one another. But I know that they would want you to know that whether it's Casey or whether it's Ryan or whoever else, we just want to point you guys to Jesus and have you walk away thinking that it's about God bringing the growth and not about how gifted Ryan is or how gifted Casey is or any of that. They're just being used by God. Tools in the hands of God. That's all that it is. And I know they think that. I know they believe that. We got to make sure that we understand that we're looking to God to do the work. Again, I don't think we're going to get distracted by that, but I think we can be reminded that it is God that does the work. Are we looking for God to do the work? What is God going to do in the future of Collective Church? What is it that he wants to do? Are we going to give God the opportunity to work? Because here's the thing. If God does not work in our church, what are we doing? If we don't come here and meet with Jesus, then what are we doing? There's other groups, other clubs, other associations. If we need friends, we can find them some other way. But the church belongs to Jesus. And God does what he wants with the church. And he's the one that does the work. And we want to follow him. There's a song that's been really kicking me in the face lately and it has this line in it and it's especially apropos to our current situation and this moment this milestone and it says this is the lyric we've prayed our prayers we've made our plans but if you're not in it We don't want it. Oh, God, would you move? I don't want to be a part of this if God's not going to do something. Can we just follow Jesus together? Can we go off on this journey to see, God, what do you have for us next?